Welcome to Actionable Insights on the Business of Healthcare, a podcast from Doctivity Health to help you navigate today's challenging healthcare environment. More than ever, business success enables investment in people and technology needed to best care for your patients. I'm your host, David Jolly. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Gene Hitchcock, president of Hitchcock Marketing and Communications. And I believe we're going to talk about physician relationship management. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. (laughs) Gene, you have considerable expertise in PRM. To get started, please share your definition of PRM and why it's necessary for healthcare providers and organizations. Sure. The current state of PRM is in pretty good shape. We have a challenge in healthcare in that doctors are employed. Some are hospital-based, some are community-based. We have independent doctors. And so for an organization to retain business from doctors, they have to be engaged with them. And PRM allows them to track that relationship for growth opportunities and retention opportunities. And that's something we've never had in the past because we didn't have the data and we didn't have the software to analyze the data, which then told the story. And in today's world with hospitalists, where many physicians don't even go to the hospital anymore, Mm -hmm. I imagine that must magnify that even further. Absolutely. I mean, when I first started out in healthcare, you could always run into the doc in the hallway. You know, you knew where the physician's lounge was. and But that has all gone by the wayside between hospitalists and some of the large employed medical groups had their own people who are stationed in the hospitals too as their own hospitalists. So your doctor doesn't go into the hospital because he or she has somebody from their firm already in there. So uh, getting that relationship with the person who is the decision maker on where referrals goes is critical and nurturing that relationship. And that's what physician relationship management is all about. That's great. When was PRM developed and first used? So you sent me that question in advance and I was trying to think, I do remember using an Excel spreadsheet to kind of just write down (laughs) who I talked to and what they said. I mean, it started out that badly because we didn't have EMRs. You know, we didn't have all of that information. Now we have great software systems like Doctivity Health that inputs claims data that puts in all of the physicians in your market. And so for For a physician liaison, you now have tools that will be able to tell you exactly who's referring to which system or which specialist, how many of each things they're referring, so you also know what kind of business is going, and you can track your own growth and retention targets in a way that you've never been able to because you have the data and you have the software now which tells the whole story, which is Mm -hmm. very, very new. Only like in the last five years do we have that. Share with us, if you would, some of the PRM successes that you've experienced. One of the big highlights for me of of physician relations is the fact that the liaisons are considered confidants of the doctors. And so at one location I worked at, it was a physician liaison who came back and mentioned to our leadership that a large group was being courted by two of our competitors. And if we wanted them, we had better be there. And we did. Another time we had physicians talking about how difficult it was from an access perspective to get people into a certain program of ours. And when we started to do some issue resolution work around that, what we found out was there was a requirement of some testing before people could be scheduled, which was slowing everything down. So being able to make it easy for the docs to refer to you 
is a key way that the liaisons help with operations, which then it helps with growth and retention. And then the most impactful thing I thought when I was in California, a physician would tell our liaison that he or she was retiring and they didn't want their patients to go anywhere else. So we would recruit either a new physician or put one of our other physicians into that practice so that there would be continuity and that the person who wanted to retire could do so without feeling that he or she had abandoned their patients. And that was great continuity for us. Wonderful. I noticed a quote by you on the Doctivity website that touches on assuring that providers are seeing the right types of cases for ongoing success. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by the right types of cases? Well, depending on how the practice is set up, and believe it or not, some of them are still set up in pretty antiquated ways. There's still orthopedic practices that everyone who calls gets an appointment with a surgeon, whether they're a surgical case or not, which wastes the surgeon's time, fills up his or her books, and the patient doesn't get what they need, you know? So when you look at the best way to triage patients, the hospital does that based on acuity and subspecialists, et cetera. When we start talking about bringing the right kind of business in, we want the right kind of patient. So we want a surgically qualified patient to see a surgeon and not, you know, a non-surgeon. So it's triaging so that the subspecialists see who they should see. I'm working at Phoenix Children's, which has 75 subspecialists areas. And so when you get to that level of specificity, you need to make sure that those docs are seeing the most acute kids. It's not general pediatrics. It's the most acute because that's where the sweet spot is between their clinical expertise and the need. Mm -hmm. And that leads to patient and physician satisfaction. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. better outcomes, you know, because the children are seen sooner by the people who can can diagnose and treat them the the quickest because they do this all the time. So to do this effectively, it sounds like a PRM has to drill down to the subspecialist and sub-subspecialist mm-hmm. levels. Do mm-hmm. all PRMs do that? No, and a lot of people, so there's a couple of dynamics going on right now. There are some PRMs that are simply analytical machines. So think of it as buying a kit for a car at a toy store. There's no engine, there's no gasoline, there's nothing. You have to fill it with all of your data and configure it so that you get the story you want. That's one. There's others that will give you that are all set up to make sure that your EMR is efficiently put in there, but it might not have claims data. And claims data can cost you two to three hundred thousand dollars, depending on how big a market you want. So for some organizations, they're not only buying a PRM, they also have to get claims data. And some of them choose not to, which is kind of like buying a car without tires. What is the point if you can't track where the cases are going? What good does the system do for you? So when you can bring claims data and your EMR and the market profile of all the physicians in your market, that's when you've got all the tools you need to put together the story. You know, where are simple fractures going in kids? Where are the highest acuity heart cases going? Why are kids going 80 miles outside of town for a certain kind of service? Is it because we don't have it or they can't get into it. So it raises all those sorts of operational questions, which then you pass on to operations to look into. You also quoted by saying the Doctivity PRM you described as the most advanced 
in the yeah. market. Is that what you're what you mean that it includes all of these elements? I met the president and CEO of Doctivity years ago, 22 years ago, and identified her as a pretty sharp cookie back then. Mm-hmm. And she approached me about four years ago about a productivity tool that she had, which is excellent. And so Doctivity's got two sides to it. The one side is productivity, where they are able to get the doctors up to productivity in six months versus the national standard of 18 months. So that's where we started. But as I started to kick the tires of this, I said to her, Kathy, you've got a great PRM here if you just tweaked a couple of things here. So when you think about how liaisons do their jobs, Jean goes out to talk to Dr. Jolly. I want to track Dr. Jolly's referrals for the next nine months. I want to see if that visit had any impact. It's got an issues resolution component to it so that all in one place, I can pull up Dr. Jolly's chart and say, he brought this up. We resolved it for him. We were able to get his patient in and let's see how we are doing in terms of growing or retaining his business. So it gives you all the data points you need to quantify the value of that, of the physician liaison activity. You know, what was the the value brought back to the organization by that liaison going out and nurturing that relationship with that physician or that physician group? And that's the only one I've seen. I haven't seen any others. There are some that you have to sort of manually add different data points together, but this one has it all in one place. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're talking about Kathy Connolly. Kathy Connolly, yes. I'm sorry, yes. I, I referred to her as Kathy, but Kathy Connolly, yes. And she's the president and COO of, of Doctivity. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you've worked with Kathy for a long time. Mm-hmm. In looking at and researching this and looking at how PRMs work, it seems to me that the center of this really falls on the physician liaisons. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about their role and how that works to move the whole system forward? Sure. I look at them as concierges. They're concierges to the doctors in the field and the doctors in-house. So they are the ones who raise the issues and then run them up the flagpole till they get a resolution and then go back to the doctor who, or the office manager who raised it, right? Mm -hmm. They bring back the competitive intelligence. This is what's going on. We thought you might wanna know, one of our competitors is building a facility two blocks away, that sort of thing. Then they have to be very smart about clinical programs. They have to know what they're talking about. So when they're talking to a referral doctor who's bringing up a case, they can speak intelligently about it. Mm-hmm. So they really, I've referred to them as our soft tissue in the community. You know, they're out there and they're communicating what we do, but it's what holds us and the doctors together. It's what the relationship is formed on 90% of the time, because again, those doctors aren't coming into the hospital. So their view of us is through how well we took care of their patients, how easy it was for us to work with them, and is somebody making them a better offer than we are. And the only way we're gonna find that out is with the liaisons. And many times they facilitate the only face-to-face that the referring doctor has with the, the physician at the hospital. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important that they're out there. And for, as you know, in many, many practices, we have one practice that sends us 30,000 referrals a year. They have their own scheduling department. The liaisons for a practice like that 
spends more time with the referral coordinators than anybody because the doctors don't even know if their patients are getting in, but the referral coordinators do. So depending on the size, they change their approach depending on, you know, the size of the referral base that we're getting from that practice or that doctor. What's that old thought in marketing? 50% of my marketing ex- expenditure is effective, and now I just have to figure out which 50%, which 50% it is. Percent. Yeah. So. I never question the liaisons, I'll tell you that. I have there you never. Go. And that's always been one of my criticisms about marketers who maybe they whine about why aren't they at the at the at the C-suite level. And I go, have you ever told the CEO you were going to help him or her meet their bottom line? Because really, that would get his his or her attention, you know? Absolutely. With the liaison, there's no question. They can document their value in a way that's so meaningful to leadership. Absolutely true. So keeping track of your relationships includes various pieces of a PRM fitting together effectively. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mention a few of these and ask for your reaction and comment. Okay. And first of all, of course, would be accelerating referrals. One of the ironies in healthcare marketing is that those of us who've done it for a long time, we're not responsible for two of the four P's of part, you know, of marketing. And so there are times when I will talk to doctors and I'll go, well, what are your volume goals? And they'll say, I have no idea. And I go, what do you mean? You have to have an idea. And they go, no. And so what happens is finance says we need 4% more. So you're going to do 4% more. The thing with liaisons and PRMs is you really can home in on where the business is to get to the end. What is the true end? So I'll give you an example. There have been lots of comments made, all anecdotal, none of them based on anything more than maybe one case, where the doctors will say, we're losing business to this one, this one, or this one. But when we look at the claims data, those people aren't going to those health systems. They're going to a lower level of care, which is not maybe the most appropriate, but they're getting the care here. So I think that whole ability to talk about growing the business, you have to be able to identify how much business is out there to get, right? And then where is it going now? And then how can you change those patterns? Yes. And many times, unless you're in finance, the rest of the organization often feels as though the budget is just a number taken out of the air, a a wishful thinking type of thing. Right. So this can quantify things. And I got to tell you, I also insist that my physician relations director or whomever always spends time and has a very good relationship with the head of strategy so that he or she can keep track of exactly the shifts in the market of what's going on. And of course, in Phoenix or Arizona, it's just insane the amount of growth we've had. Oh, absolutely. This is a wonderful topic, of course, but how about the reducing leakage of referrals? I love that term, but no one's come up with it. I think somebody came up with the reverse, keepage, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't work well. (laughs) I don't like either one. (laughs) That that gets back to that whole relationship thing, doesn't it? Why would somebody choose not to send to you? Or why would someone choose who's always been a referral to go somewhere else? And that's where the liaisons go in and find out is it an operational issue? Did we mess up on patient care? Did we not do customer service well with your practice? What was it? You know, because it's all human interaction and engagement. And it, for someone to make a decision to switch business patterns, something had to happen and you got to get to the bottom of it. And many times, of course, it's a, an employed physician mm-hmm. referring outside the organization. 
Well, that's a different thing, Dave. And and mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I've worked all over the country. And when <laughs> I was in California, where you can't employ physicians, right? That you you contract with them. Right. We put in guardrails that basically said the only time that you can ever refer outside of this system if it's a quality or a safety issue. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to the East Coast, I mentioned that to the health system I was working on. They said, oh, God, we could never do that. And I said, I think for the benefit of your patients, you could. It's based yeah. on objective criteria. So it just depends on how mature a market is in terms of employment of physicians. You know, mm-hmm. in some areas, it's this is a no-brainer. And others, they're just sort of tackling with some of these things. Right. Talk a little bit about tracking activity. You mentioned a little bit about that previously. Well, I want my physician liaisons to be out in the field at least five days or four days a week, you know, so if mm-hmm. they've got to spend a day trying to figure out how to track their business, it's a waste of time. You know, I'm losing them. One of the reasons we made a switch was for that reason. It was so manual that it was onerous. But I do like the idea of creating what I call placemats that we send to uh, senior leadership, which gives them a snapshot of everything the liaisons have done in the last quarter, which talks about everything from issues to onboarding new physicians to bringing new physicians around and all their activities. So we keep it omnipresent and in front of leadership. So you need a system that can produce those reports easily for you and not take a ton of time to create them. Another characteristic of a good PRM would be easy documentation. And single documentation. So for example, let's use my example of you, Dr. Jolly, right? So we're documenting that I met you, but then we want to make sure that goes into your file on your referrals to our organization. And it also goes into the issues resolution log that we've talked Mm -hmm. to you since that time. Before, you'd have to go into three different areas to mark that. Now, because it's based on the physician, it's automatically feeds into anything where you appear, which it makes it so easy to do. Mm -hmm. And even reminders now, you know, I've often teased healthcare IT people. I go, you know, if my dentist can remember my birthday, why can't (laughs) we? We ask people everything. So We've got to have that ability to do anecdotal stuff in a system, too. That's important. Knowing that a a physician speaks Mandarin Chinese is important to know. Or they're very busy and, and this one wants you to talk to this person. So in other words, it's the details of how they need to work with a practice. And so you need to have a system that can take can take all that information. Right. This one seems self-evident, but uh, driving volumes, measurable so, So again, I'm in a different space with pediatrics when you're the only pediatric hospital in a state. So people have to go out of state if they're not going to use us. But let's just talk about it from an adult health system, for example, Mm -hmm. driving business. So if you know the N is 10 and you're getting four, you got to know where the other six are going. And then it's your job to go get those six and you're going to take them away from somebody else. That's a very different physician relations activity than, say, the N is 10, you're getting four, but there's the other six isn't being eaten up by anybody. So you add some surgeons and pick up the excess. You, know, you keep access open. Now, I say that with a little bit of my tongue in cheek because we all know they hire the surgeons before they identify the load. <laughs> but usually they have a good sense of how much is out there, you know, by how long it takes to get people in. We keep a long, we keep a very 
acute eye on the wait list to get in? What is access across our system for everything from imaging to surgery? I mean, our liaisons know that on a daily basis. That's good because access or lack of access is a huge dissatisfier. Absolutely. Absolutely. The last characteristic is referral targeting. So if you know who is referring to you, then you also know who isn't referring to you. And if it's people, when you look into their claims data that have appropriate referrals that should be going to you, then that's a growth target for you. That's when you send the liaison out there with, say, the medical director of cardiology to talk to them about the best care for children or adults with cardiac issues. So we break our goals and objectives down for our liaisons into growth and retention targets. Those are the two things they focus on. Nothing else. And there's a lot of departments that are like, why aren't they out there talking about us? You know, and we'll say, you have 100 people on your waiting list. <laughs> You're down two providers, so it wouldn't yeah. be a good experiment. We, we have to educate them a little bit about the why from a consumer perspective and a referring physician perspective. And so without that, you can miss the whole idea of growing. You might you might grow something and then people have a bad experience and they're never going to refer to you again. Right. So you're a member of the Doctivity Advisory Board. Yes. Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but why are you personally involved with Doctivity? Well, there's a personal and a professional. The personal is I've seen this product from day one, and I've seen what it has done for clients. And I brought the productivity tool into one of my clients and saw some really impressive results. So I recommended them to others. And then when we started having conversations about this software, Kathy brought me in to take a look at that. And that's when I said, I get the whole productivity thing because we've been doing it for years, but this really is a great PRM and there aren't very many good ones out there. Mm -hmm. So a lot of vendors had CRMs, customer relationship management, and thought it'd be real easy just to do a PRM, but you got to understand that business and it's very different. And so they didn't build it right because Kathy came at it from a physician productivity perspective she absolutely gets it from a physician relations perspective because that's what they're trying to do, drive business to make them more productive. And so professionally, I just thought this was a great product. I didn't see anybody else doing anything like this, and I wanted to be part of it. On a personal basis, as you know, Dave, because I met you at the same time, I met Kathy and you 22 years ago. And yes. I think I was hired to help set up the marketing department at Geisinger, and she was a bright young lady who knew what she was doing. And, and I just knew she would go far. So I enjoy her. I enjoy watching her success. And I like playing on the advisory board with some of the people on there. There's some people that I've known through reputation only, like Glenn Steele, that I now get to work with on this project, which is very a lot of fun for me. Oh, that's great. Touch on a little bit where we say that the Doctivity PRM was built by healthcare people. Well, exactly. Kathy came out of Geisinger and she had a colleague who came out of the Cleveland Clinic. One of her first big customers was the Musculoskeletal Center at Geisinger, which has great results. They've just done so very, very well. And Kathy was in a department where the physician liaisons were near, so she knew them and kind of knew what they did, but she put it all together. You know, Geisinger has got the mothership in Danville, but all these tentacles around. Pennsylvania. So having those liaisons out there bringing back intelligence was crucial. 
only somebody who's been in healthcare and see how that works would understand that. It's different than, say, customers in the sense that you have this large N and you're trying to pull them in. The patients are directed by the doctors. Mm -hmm. So it's different. It's not a high level of self-referral. And so when you have that, then a PRM is, is more appropriate than a CRM. Right. Comment, if you would, about how PRM empowers strategies for provider retention, helps with recruitment, and finally, behavior change. Well, you know, it's interesting. My physician relations person's people, God, my person at Phoenix Children's and all of my former ones have always done provider relations onboarding, right? Yes. And they always get asked the same question. What are you going to do to help me get busy? How are you going to drive patients to me? And we can tell them in real concrete terms, these are the tactics we're going to take. This is the kind of time commitment you've got to give me. This is the relationship we're going to have. So when a doctor is being recruited and they hear that they've got a whole physician relations team who's out there who's going to help support them, that is a big recruitment pull. When there's an issue that needs to be resolved that the doctor wasn't aware of but was brought to the attention by physician relations, they get it because this affects their patient load. So the retention piece and the recruitment piece are really big in the world of physician relations as well. Now, we've had fallout. We've had a doctor resign, for example, that we needed the continuity piece and the liaisons have gone out there and really calmed the, the doctors that this person might have been referring to, to assure them there would be continuity of care. So I think they show their loyalty and support to the doctors on a daily basis. And so it's a big selling point for recruitment and retention going forward. And they get called all the time by the doctors saying, this is what we've heard. Can you find out if it's true or not? And they do. So they're really, they're sure. really working as partners. That's great. So, I'll, you know, I'll close with a nice, easy question for you. Oh, good. You finally. Yeah, yeah finally. Um, just your best advice for organizations and providers for future success. In terms of growing business? Sure. Okay. Well, you got to know your market. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to know who's out there as a provider and what the patient base looks like. Then you have to be really honest with yourself about how you match up to competitors. Do you make it harder or easier for people to do business with you? Do you listen to what primary care doctors say or do you blow them off? So I think if you just take the whole thing as a personal relationship and treat it the way you would your own relationships, how would you like to be treated? Your doctors don't want to hear about something your organization's doing by reading it in the paper. They're, they work for you. They're, they put their whole lives there for you. So the liaisons are all about nurturing that relationship, making it as good as it possibly can be, cleaning up any misconceptions or errors in judgment or rumor mongering or something like that. And right. it's all about don't be afraid of it. You know, don't be afraid to go into a doctor and their office and say, what can we do to earn your trust? And by trust, I mean your business. So excellent advice. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't discussed? I joke in my bio <laughs> that I have a PhD in speaking physician. And um, <laughs> it's the best part of my job working with the physicians. They're there to care for kids currently, you know, kids or patients, but I have always had very, very close working relationships with my doctors. 
And I really feel badly for people who are, are kept at arm's length from their doctors and expected to be successful. And I would say, if that's your case, don't do that. You know, absolutely get to know every one of your doctors who you have to represent out in the community. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Dave. This has been enjoyable. Hope it was okay for you. It was wonderful. <laughs> We've been talking about physician relationship management or PRM with healthcare marketing expert, Jean Hitchcock, president of Hitchcock Marketing and Communications. Watch for our next edition of Doctivity's actionable insights on the business of healthcare. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please share, rate, and review it on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. For more information on how Doctivity provides actionable insights to drive revenue and improve operational performance, visit DoctivityHealth.com, where you will find our videos, blogs, case studies, and more. See you next time for Doctivity's actionable insights on the business of healthcare.